0: This could be for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Steve Made a Game Show, otherwise known as Smags. Here on Smags, today we'd like to welcome our guest, Andy. Andy, thanks for joining today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Steve. Much appreciated. It's great to have you here, Andy. Uh, Welcome to a game show. You're not just on a podcast today. You are on a podcast game show. Do you like game shows? Love them. What's your favorite game show? Wham! E! Press your luck. If we want to be especially technical, or you do, you prefer the game show network reboot whammy?
1: You hit the nail on the head. I was about to correct you. I was a little worried you were gonna you weren't gonna recognize that whammy. I corrected myself was, uh, on that. Even yeah, yeah, that was nice. I I panicked and said whammy. I'm a big you know Jeopardy's probably my actual favorite. Definitely not Deal or No Deal. Yeah, not a lot in terms of a challenge. It's
0: not so much of a game. It's it's a show. But that's about it. On Smags, we aspire to be better than Deal or No Deal. Love it. 2003 reboot of Pressure Luck, known as Whammy. That's a high bar. Uh, Jeopardy is uh, in a whole other astronomical, astronom- if that's a word.
1: It's not, but I like it. Okay.
0: Jeopardy's in another stratosphere. We're going to avoid that, but we're going to aim for Whammy. So, uh, to give you a rundown of what to expect today, here on Smags, we have three rounds. Round one is going to be the category round. I've curated categories specific to your interest, and I hope you'll enjoy them. Uh, I hope the audience enjoys them. They'll learn a little bit about you. And after that, then we're gonna jump into the persuasion round. After the persuasion round, we then jump into the lightning round. Uh, we're, we're moving fast, we'll kind of explain it as we go, but are you, are you ready to rock?
1: Never been more ready in my life. Let's
0: rock. All right, category round, here are your categories. The first one does pertain to rock. Your first category is former frontman. I'm gonna give you the front man a band. You got to name those bands for me. Uh, second category, Ham and Cheese. Third category, Waco, Texas. Three questions in each category. The first one is 50. The second one is 150. And the third one is 250. Where would you like to begin? Oh, let's start with Waco. Why not? Waco for $50. Michigan State famously played in the 2015 Cotton Bowl Classic on two separate occasions. January 1st, 2015, and December 31st, 2015. In their first appearance, they defeated the Baylor Bears of Waco. So within three points, can you name for me the final score of that 2015 Cotton Bowl Classic?
1: 42-41 Michigan State.
0: Didn't even need the three-point cushions. Andy, you nailed it. Love it. Great memory. There was was a blocked PAT in that game. Sure was. Yeah, it's kind of some funky scoring in that. A lot of scoring for that matter great game though great game Mm-hmm. great uh highlight of a place kicker being just utterly demolished by tony lippett
1: just sent to the shadow realm
0: all right uh not so much the shadow realm but where would you like to go next let's keep it going with waco okay riding a heater waco texas for 150 dr pepper and its beloved 23 flavor recipe originate from waco texas since that inception, though, the Dr. Pepper company has merged with several other beverage companies to further their business pursuits. What is the full name of the corporation that currently makes the Dr. Pepper beverage?
1: I'm going to be honest, I honestly I have no idea. 7-Up uh, Dr. Pepper Yum brand. It's, it's not right. It's not right.
0: There's 7-Up is in there, though. So that's I mean, that's impressive. Uh, I think the Yum portfolio is a distinct entity. Uh Dr. Pepper and Snapple was the name for a long time, but now we're looking at Keurig Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not so much the natural match, you think, when you see Dr. Pepper and Snapple on a shelf next to itself. Mm-hmm, give me some Snapple and a Dr. Pepper. And a piping hot cup of coffee. Uh, served in a pod, preferably. A pod of Dr. Pepper, I, I would still try it,
1: I'll be honest. Yeah, I will always try Dr. Pepper. That's really my one creed in life, if you will. Good words to live by. Uh, What would you like to try for your next clue? Let's just finish off the Waco topic.
0: All right, going to Waco. You knew we had to end here for $250, Andy. David Koresh, he was the leader of the Branch Davidian sect, which was headquartered in Mount Carmel outside of Waco, Texas, and it was the location of the infamous ATF raid in the early 90s. The Branch Davidians were an offshoot from which Christian
1: denomination? You know, I mm, I used to know this. Um crud. You're you're writhing in pain. At, I am at an earlobe I, level I, I, for our audience. I, I got a, I gotta I, I honestly can't even come up with one. I used to know it, I don't remember anymore. Alas. The answer we were looking for was the Seventh
0: day Adventists.
1: Oh, it was okay.
0: Uh no no two fifty for you, but um we've breezed through waco texas now you're faced with former frontman or ham and cheese let's go ham and cheese Good old ham and cheese here we go for 50 bucks america's favorite hot ham and cheese sandwich andy you know what that is right that would be the yumbo it is burger king's beloved yumbo it's comprised of hot ham and cheese can you name the other ingredients that make up a yumbo uh a
1: bun correct. Uh, can you name one more ingredient <laughs> I'll go with, uh, I don't know, mayonnaise on the bun, sure. Well,
0: it's no miracle because they
1: do have mayonnaise on the bun. You get your 50 points.
0: You could have also added crispy lettuce as a guess.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I was going to
0: say mayonnaise or lettuce. You couldn't have gone wrong. You're, you're naturally inclined to these ham and cheese. <laughs> My goodness, that just sounds so awful. <laughs> Unfortunately, Smags is not presented today by Burger King's The Yumbo Sandwich, TM. Hopefully one day, though. Audience, keep listening. We're going to claim that sponsorship. Where to next, Andy? Let's keep going with ham and cheese. (laughs) Ham and cheese for 150 So this is a bit from this host's personal experience, but in Italy, consumers can actually purchase ham and cheese-flavored Pringles potato chips. What a world we live in. Andy, can you tell me what's Pringles' official slogan? Uh, Once you pop, the fun don't stop. Popping. Popping that one. Pop, pop. 150 points for you. Yes. Yeah, you you nailed that catchphrase straight from the commercials. I can't really think of many Pringles commercials, but I can definitely think of that catchphrase appearing
1: in them. And the creepy mustachioed face logo of Pringles, like, moving around. Yeah, that always kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his beady
0: eyes staring back at you. Yeah, I don't like it. I've always wondered, like, does he relate to any
1: other brands? Could he actually be, like, a young Mr. Peanut? Uh, no, because now we have hashtag baby nut from the Super Bowl. Ooh. How about
0: this? Maybe he's like the nephew of Chef Boyardee. There we go. Making his ham and cheese. That, I love it. Is that where you want to go for your next question?
1: Yeah, let's just let's just uh, finish off uh, ham and cheese. The proverbial final bite of the ham and cheese sandwich
0: takes us to Hardee's actually for two fifty. So Hardee's big hot ham and cheese sandwich. That's the letter N. It's the closest replacement that Yumbo devotees can find uh, in this current period while Burger King has removed that adored sandwich from its menu. Were you to order one for dinner, Andy, how much sodium would you be consuming? And please approximate within
1: 150 milligrams of salt. Ah, See, Steve, I'm not exactly a man who counts his sodium or really monitors it in any way, shape, or form. You just take bites into your ham and cheese, you know,
0: full-throated, blindfolded, just enjoying its, you know, porky
1: dairy goodness. I wouldn't describe it that way, but yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Okay. And uh, I'll go with, uh, what is it, 1200
0: milligrams? 1200 milligrams, um, sort of a a dyslexic almost answer. We're actually looking for 2,190 milligrams of sodium. Wow a lot of sodium well then that leads us to our final category former frontman do you want to get started at 50 do you want to jump
1: no no let's do 50 i like uh let's work our way up
0: a a classic traditionalist you could say okay question one for fifty dollars mr steve winwood ascended to higher love after a prolific run performing for multiple rock bands can you name three bands that steve winwood played with prior to his solo career
1: yeah spencer davis group traffic and blind faith that's correct
0: that's three for three and that's fifty dollars in your pocket fifty smag coins if you will
1: yeah i like fifty dollars more if i'm gonna be completely honest (laughs) to be completely honest these are 50
0: points and they are worth even less than a a a possible smag coin how
1: does that translate
0: to uh stanley nichols okay question two takes us to 150 dollars before hitching up with David Crosby, Stephen Stills, and Grant Nash, Mr. Neil Young remembers his time playing with which band?
1: Buffalo Springfield.
0: 150 in your pocket. David Crosby Nichols, just for you.
1: That's, I I can feel my liver degrading already. Uh, yeah, he actually would have played with uh, Stephen Stills in Buffalo Springfield. So that's mm-hmm. that's uh, kind of a little friendship, a little bond, if you will, that developed before embarking upon a successful run with CSNY.
0: Jeez, I feel like I should award you. I'm going to award you a bonus. One little CSNY Dave Crosby nickel for you. You get 151 points instead of 150 points.
1: Oh, that point could push me over the top. I like it.
0: That could be the distinction that, that separates you and our previous guest, Jim. You might need this one. Here we go. Question three for $250. And our final question for the category round. Though he had come alive in 1976 and released one of the best-selling live albums in rock history...
1: Yeah, the answer is Humble Pie. Peter
0: Frampton initially began his career playing with which group? The answer is Humble Pie. I continued through that clue as you already gave me your $250 answer.
1: You nailed it. I'm sorry to interrupt you so uh, so
0: rapidly. Not at all. I I like that. It's uh, it reminds me of on Jeopardy when Matt Jackson would guess his next clue before Alex even finished his you know passing congratulations you know he might say correct or where to next and before he could spit that out Matt Jackson bam on to the next. I'm really happy you remember this contestant. If he ever came onto this game show, I would be so starstruck. I, <laughs> I would lose connection. The buffering would cease.
1: People, who do you know athletes movie stars oh big jeopardy guy just know all the different contestants from the different eras the different strategies of uh a board usage mm-hmm.
0: With, you know arthur chu was defined by his the, the chu jump we could say uh Matt Jackson was known for aggressive betting. James obviously blew all those uh, expectations straight out the window. But but that's for another podcast. This podcast is all about Andy's domination. He ended up with 701 points to end the category round. Love well it. Well
1: my friend. Thank you, sir. Those are some tough ones. With that,
0: let's head over to round two. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Hey there, listeners. Have you ever been parched and wanted something that would just fizzle and it would sizzle and would give you some spice and it would feel nice and you'd be supporting local businesses? If you felt all of those feelings at once, you are craving a bottle of verners the original ginger soda. It's filled with naturally and artificially occurring flavors. It is authentic in its bold taste according to the little barrel logo right on its label. And we have a, a Michigan original since 1866 with this winking bearded fella that's located just above the Verner's logo. The, the wrapping appears to be a green wood-aged barrel It comes with 140 calories, it comes with 50 milligrams of sodium, so you're looking at a multiple of 40 when you're comparing it to your Hardee's Big and Hot Ham and Cheese Sandwich. I recommend it, it it, it has medicinal purposes, it's a fantastic beverage, and I would be so honored if you would continue their patronage and buy some Burgers Ginger Soda. (laughs) All right, we're going to dive into round two. So Andy, to refresh you, this is the persuasion round. I'm going to give you a prompt, and uh, I know that you have strong feelings uh, about a lot of things in life, so whatever prompt I give you, I want you to channel that into this prompt you want. I want you to convince me, and then from that, I'm going to give you points, and that will go towards your 701 points earlier, and it's just going to give you a big pot of score at the end. So are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So I'm I'm going to start the persuasion round by asking you a couple questions first. So, Andy, I know you're a Beatles fan. Can you tell me your favorite four Beatles albums, Fab Four? What would your Fab Four albums
1: be? Yeah, are we doing this in order, or are we doing just four in no particular order? No particular order. So if it's no particular order, it's going to be Abbey Road, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and The White Album. And would you like the reasons why?
0: I'm going to go a step further than that. So out of those Fab Four, let's go back to the particular order. What's number one?
1: That, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, it kind of depends on the the mood you catch me in on a particular day. How about this? The podcast is gonna
0: exist out of time and space, but for hypothetical reasons, let's just say the day is a Tuesday, and we'll just say that it happens to be a Tuesday evening. Again, this is hypothetical, it's not actually applicable to the Sure. I'm gonna go Abbey Road at number one. Abbey Road takes the cake with number one. Yes. For your prompt for round number two, I want you to explain why Abbey Road is number one and why, you know, as myself, I'm, I'm a listener, and I really like Sgt. Pepper. I really like Revolver. I really like the White Album. And frankly, I'm going to add a Pete Best number fifth. I really like Rubber
1: Soul. Tell me why all those people that like those albums are wrong and, and why Abbey Road is, is the right So, answer. Steve, I want to be very clear here. They're not wrong. Now, they would have been wrong if they had said Beatles for sale. That's a wrong answer. But the fact that you're listing off Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Peppers, The White Album. Heck, I'll humor an argument for help. I think it's wrong, but I'll humor the argument. The reason why I go Abbey Road number one is that, for me, it just epitomizes what great rock and roll can be, especially that late 60s, early 70s sound. Obviously, the album came out in 69, but it kind of defined the the, the sound going into 71 outside of, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, Black Sabbath and The Who. I'll humor the Rolling Stones in that as well. Anyways, for me, it, it combines what can make, what can be great about a great British rock and roll album from the late 60s into the early 70s while also highlighting some of those, just those things that nobody else is doing except for the Beatles. For example, you look at the harmonies on uh, Because and Sun King. You know, the only bands at the time who were doing anything at, at that level and to that technically great were really Crosby, Stills and Nash and they didn't form until 69. Uh, again, I'll humor an argument for other bands like you know, the turtles, but it's like what hits do they have? You know, the the Who had some good harmonies, but nothing near what Paul, John, and George were able to do and heck even Ringo uncarried that weight. I think what also is great about Abbey Road is really that just side two, you put on side two, you you do the medley, you go from point A to point B. It you don't it doesn't take an appreciation of music to get it, if that makes sense, right? Like so take Sergeant Pepper's, if you will. Sergeant Pepper's, I would put as my number two album for the Beatles, and often number one depending on you know the mood I'm in. But if you look at Sergeant Pepper's, a lot of I think some of the things that takes to truly appreciate Sergeant Pepper's comes down to you know, do you appreciate the techniques they were using in the studio? Do you appreciate the fact that John and Paul wrote a song together, "She's Leaving Home," that doesn't feature any instrumentation from the band? It only it only features them two singing. Uh, a harpist and an arrangement for some stringed instruments. Do you appreciate the carnival, the cacophony of sound, if you will, from being in the benefit of Mr. Kite? Are you an aficionado of sitar music? Uh, This is right around George, uh, really diving into the sitar. And that's not to say that Sgt. Pepper's is worse. I just, I think that you you like, you gain an appreciation more for Sgt. Pepper's after you understand a little bit more about rock music and the climate they were in. Whereas if you put on Abbey Road, especially the side two with the medley, uh, I don't think it takes any random, or not random, but sophisticated taste or uh, really even an established base, if you will. I think you can really just dive into that album. Mm-hmm. So really kind of that... Beauty naturally occurring beauty. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you know the driving force on that album was Paul, and they were trying to get back to that sound. Especially, uh, you know, as many of your listeners might know, they originally recorded "Let It Be" before Abbey Road. "Let It Be" obviously came out after Abbey Road. They scrapped the sessions and they decided they kind of knew it was going to be their they, not kind of they knew it was going to be their last album. They said, "Let's just get back to that good old fashioned rock and roll sound," right mm-hmm. and I think that that's what they got back into you really start seeing the experimentation flourish right around revolver Some you can argue rubber soul a little bit but I would say revolver into sergeant peppers is when they really started experimenting
0: yeah that's an interesting point because it, it really is I think experimentation is a good word it's it's so unconventional with the expectation of where the band was headed from its sound up to that point and so Right, if maybe Rubber Soul is, is the crawl, Revolver really becomes the walk. And then obviously sort some of the later albums is where they're running full through it, you know, when you get to the White Album or, you know, even Abbey Road.
1: Yeah, and what George always said that Rubber Soul and Revolver could have been the same album just because of how closely they were recording everything. And I can see that, but I will say... For me, if you look at the actual sounds of the album, Revolver sounds a little bit more to me like Sgt. Pepper's than Rubber Soul. And I say that because of songs like Taxman and And Your Bird Can Sing, Tomorrow Never Knows. I feel like those songs in many ways match up nicely with, you know, the title track and uh, the reprisal for Sgt. Pepper's, uh, you know, Good Morning, Good Morning, uh, Within You Without You. You know, I feel like those have a little bit more of that. I feel like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's, in many ways, link up a little, sync up a little bit better than Revolver and Rubber Soul, despite the fact that Revolver and Rubber Soul were recorded in such close proximity to one another.
0: Yeah, more so in in the shape of the character of their music. It to me, those ban- like when you look at Revolver and then, like you said, Sgt. Pepper, the songs feel a bit more almost episodic in how they're more crafted to a narrative but they have their own distinct and and self-contained identity whereas and believe me this is coming from someone who i might even put rubber soul as my number one album Um, it just plays more like a conventional and
1: and for the record you know having rubber soul at number one is in my opinion an absolutely fair uh spot for rubber soul Uh, i just think that when you look at when you look at revolver in terms of that that sync up with sergeant peppers i would call it two other songs in particular love you too syncs up really nicely obviously with it with within you without you george continuing that uh, love affair with the sitar and then for no one i think is a really nice little precursor to she's leaving home Mm. having said that when you look at rubber's soul rubber's soul has in my opinion one of the arguably the greatest song the beatles ever recorded which is in my life Uh, And it's also a neat little song, a little microcosm of the Beatles, if you will, because it has that little piano interlude uh, by George Martin, the producer. Uh, So I think that's a really good, just kind of highlights everything that they could be and what they were at their best.
0: Yeah, I really think that song in particular captures this sort of like nostalgic melancholy without ever feeling put on. Something that always struck me as weird, and maybe you even feel a bit this way though, but to me yesterday is always pointed as like oh that's the beatles at their sentimental best but i've always thought in my life is is leagues above where yesterday yeah gets. i
1: would say yesterday i would agree with you within my life yesterday is one of those songs that it's up there for a reason but it's just kind of overplayed it's almost in that pantheon of sta- it's in that pantheon of stairway to heaven bohemian rhapsody smoke on the water type deal for different reasons obviously mm-hmm. um i would also uh say that you look at the songs that they were recording around Rubber Soul as well is also fascinating, uh, more so than any other band in rock history. The Beatles have so many what-ifs in terms of what if they had put these particular singles on a record, right? So, you know, a good example, if, if listeners are wondering, what do you mean if they, somebody had put a, a, a single on a record? The best example I can give, this is not Beatles-related, but uh, I, will, I will bring out a band I of whom I am not a fan, the Beach Boys. Uh, Pet Sounds came out in uh, sixty late sixty six and in my opinion it is uh, one of the, it, the single most overrated piece of art music film whatever you want to call the arts media as a whole in human history and i mean that quite literally however during the pet sounds sessions the beach boys recorded what is perhaps the single greatest pop song in mankind's history and that is good vibrations now for some reason i still do not understand Brian Wilson made the decision that the Beach Boys would not include good vibrations on pet sounds. So we were stuck listening to God awful tracks like God only knows and hellish music like Sloop John B. I was just about to bring up Sloop John B. If you didn't. Listeners, if you're wondering, well, what does this have to do with the Beatles and rubber soul? Great question. Right around this time, the Beatles were also recording singles like day tripper. We can work it out. Paperback writer. Now, It's hard to say where these songs would fit in. One could argue they would have fit in on Rubber Soul. Others could say that they could have fit in on Help. The Beatles were recording at such a prolific pace, it's hard to say where exactly these would have sat. But I do wonder, what what would we think even more so of Rubber Soul if Day Tripper and We Can Work It Out had been on there? Because they wouldn't be out of place. They would fit firmly within the style of music on that album. For me, those are the be- That is the second biggest what if, or what if these songs had been included on an album for the Beatles. Uh, number two, the number one what if, if you will, for me would be not Hey Jude. I know a lot of people expect people to go with Hey Jude in the White Album. No, no, no. I'm going to go with Strawberry Fields Forever and uh, Penny Lane. Those were recorded during Sgt. Pepper's sessions and touched up for the um, Magical Mystery Tour. If those two songs had been included on Sergeant Pepper's, for me, that sends it up over the top two being easily their best album, in my humble opinion. So I'm digressing a little bit, uh, but I, you know, in terms of having Rubber Soul as your as your best Beatles album, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You you look in you're looking at a band that listened to Bob Dylan and they saw Bob, you know, go electric and. Uh, they decided. Well, what if we kind of took our own little spin on that? You know, we include some of those Bob Dylan songs, like "Norwegian Wood." You know, something that you could have almost imagined Bob writing. You know, with the the, the poetic lyrics, the simple guitar. Uh, Guitar arrangement, however, obviously George included the sitar piece. I don't think Dylan would have included a sitar in on, on his version. Uh, if he had ever written that, but you also look at the fact that he, the Beatles, kind of took that folk rock and made it a little bit more electric with "Drive My Car." The word um, "run for your life," just a run, run for, Yeah, "Run for Your Life." One of my, in my opinion, one of the most underrated. Beatles songs of all time is included on Rubber Soul, and that's "If I Needed Someone." Uh, You you know, if I were to give, if you were to say, Andy, give me your top five George Harrison songs of all time, that that would probably be in my top five for him. It's a it's a wonderful song. It's outstanding. What really brings Rubber Soul down for me is what goes on.
0: So it's actually really funny you bring that up because I I pulled up Rubber Soul's track list as we were discussing, and was about to mention that this is sort of evolving into like a rubber sole conversation but it's a really good point about kind of where the beatles had come and where they were about to go so it does it picks up a lot of these interesting like you said what ifs and just um, time capsule moments about an important period of popular music but that we see kind of smack dab in the middle ringo's got his song tantamount to the Beatle identity is you have a ringo song somewhere in the mix
1: yeah, and what goes on is one of his worst ones, if we're being perfectly frank. Uh, you know, I, I also strongly dislike Yellow Submarine, but I don't dislike. I don't think it's a bad song. I'm just sick and tired of people playing it. What goes on is, in my opinion, just a bad song. Very little redeeming. There's not a lot going on. However, at the same time, I think it was right around the same time uh, Ringo was also recording the drums for Rain, which is his best performance as a drummer. So you know, uh, you, you take the good with the bad, I guess you do.
0: I I think before we wrap the persuasion round, I did at least want to give you the chance to talk a little bit about how the Beatles f- fit into some of the the other contemporaries at the time. I know you mentioned Bob Dylan just now, but earlier you referred to how they matched up against, you know, the Who or Led Zeppelin here in that late 60s early 70s. I mean, I think it's worth even noting that cream was going on in the late 60s as as they were you know releasing some of these biggest records that you noted to um any other comment on kind of the state of where all this was going down
1: yeah when you look at the 60s in my opinion the 60s are defined by three acts it's the beatles number one and in no particular order bob dylan and Jimi hendrix in terms of where the Beatles sat, they were doing things that nobody else was doing. The only person who could really compete with their with their popularity in the American sphere was really Bob Dylan, and I include Hendrix on that because we have grown to appreciate his contributions to rock music so much more. You know, when you look at the '60s, the Beach Boys. If anybody listening to this podcast is going to dare mention the Beach Boys to me, I'm sorry, you're wrong. That's wrong brian wilson was a one album wonder and quite honestly again sloop john b is one of the worst pieces of anything ever recorded ever anywhere in human history and that's including everything we never heard dating back to the you know before the phonograph now we're talking about where the beatles sat in the 60s i mean you know you mentioned cream and i'm a huge cream fan but the cream couldn't really even in my opinion really hold a candle to what the beatles were doing because one they only did it for three albums and if you look at their first album fresh cream a lot of covers a lot of covers of blues standards, and nothing wrong with that. They did some absolutely fantastic arrangements of those songs, but they weren't doing these original... I mean, you look at the original songs that Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison, and to a lesser, much, much, much lesser extent, Ringo Starr wrote, from 65 to 69, it's, it's not even comparable. You know, when you look at the 60s, too, people are like, well, what about the Stones? The Stones were popular in the 60s. They sure were, but the Stones were very much a singles band, you know, prior to 67. You know, when you're talking about that run of the Beatles, they were really a... Uh, very much a singles band. Uh, you know, Can't Get No Satisfaction, Street Fighting Man, mm-hmm. Under My Thumb. Now they released, I believe it was in 67, it might have been 68, they released Beggar's Banquet. And that's really the beginning of the classic Stones era. But this whole, you know, the Stones are the greatest rock and roll band in the world. That's how they come out at every every concert. Accurate. They didn't start doing that until the Beatles disbanded. So, let's get that very clear. The Stones could not hold a candle up to the Beatles. In fact, and it's actually funny though, uh, what many people regard as the best Stones album of all time... Uh, Let It Bleed came out in sixty nine, the same year that Abbey Road came out. When you look at the Who, the Who were a very much similar situation. You look at a lot of the Who's stuff, they were very much a singles band. That started to change in sixty-seven with The Who Sell Out, and you kind of get that you get that feeling that Townsend is taking them to a different level, right? They're they're going to a higher level than what they've been doing. And uh, The Who Sell Out is actually quite an underrated album, in my humble opinion. They put it all together in you guessed it, 1969 again. Same as Tommy. with Tommy, exactly. You you look at other Ameri- you look at American bands, uh, you know outside of uh, uh, Dylan. Uh, what other American bands were, were really putting together this string of string of albums, this great, these great albums that are not just one off songs? Well, you have a good example of Queen's Clearwater Revival, but they put it all together in, say the year with me, 1969. They had three albums come out in one year, and those are by far their three best albums in my opinion. So for me, the Beatles really just shape really what that 60s sound was and who now now who responded in 69 who who got their start again in 1969 as I just said it's Led Zeppelin and Zeppelin really in many ways kind of took it to a new level although that would depending on who you ask that would really fall into more 1971 uh, when Led Zeppelin, 71, 72, when Led Zeppelin four came out. Um, but really, I, I don't want to ramble too much. You know, you look at the Beatles, you, you look at where the Beatles stand, you know, for me, and this is not to say other acts from the 60s were bad. Of course not. There were other acts that were putting out outstanding music outside of the groups I just mentioned, besides the Beach Boys. They were not putting out outstanding music. A lot of people like The Doors, uh, The Birds were putting out really, really unique songs like Turn, Turn, Turn is a great example. You know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash formed in 1969. Uh, that year, for anybody who doesn't know anything about classic rock history, uh, you really need to look at 1969. That is that is the year, in my opinion, where everything kind of comes together. Yeah, uh, listeners, I, I hope that you heed Andy's
0: advice with a sincere heart. Um, I think, Andy, you captured, even if the the heart of the original question was more about the Beatles records and their place among their other fellow records, the conversation about where they fit with not only their contemporaries, but the trajectory of where we were seeing music going, which, as you said, it moved from just radio singles into more of an album-focused endeavor. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Tommy by The Who being that first real narrative story of the opera, coming together whereas the Beatles albums as we talked about they still did have sort of a an implicit narrative going on even if it didn't really all coalesce in the the way that you had these story-driven albums
1: but uh, just in the way that the, the songs were being written for an album not per se to sell singles. Absolutely and you really notice that trend the people who were doing albums in the 60s the big ones are The Who, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix, and actually, I would say, Steve, to your point from earlier, Cream—you uh, you can include Cream in that group, especially in '67 when uh, *Disraeli Gears* came out. But discussion for another day.
0: Indeed, and it, to the, at least the discussion for today. Again, it's a hypothetical day. It may be a Tuesday evening. It might not be. There's just no reason to say. Uh, it was a fantastic discussion. It was a convincing and a persuasive discussion. And Mr. Andy, I would like to award you. Nine hundred persuasion points. Ooh. <laughs> that was a lot of points, but it was a lot of content that you generated.
1: I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, hum- I'm humbled and I'm flattered. Uh, I do hope I didn't ramble too much there. I know that I, I can go off on some tangents, especially when it comes to these important discussions about uh, classic rock music. But a lot, of, lot, a lot, a lot of content to cover.
0: You did you, and please after that, you've earned your points. Go have some humble pie. You don't get lost in traffic because you're blind, comma faith and uh buffalo Springfield. (laughs) let's give it up to our sponsors (laughs) the following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product the views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company this is not a paid advertisement you know
1: i actually have uh eight no ten ten bottles of verners looking like those 16 ounce bottles that my mother brought out here to wisconsin when she visited back in October. And I gotta tell you, there's just something wholesome and uh, there's something nice about seeing burners. You don't see it in a lot of states outside of Michigan, and uh, it just reminds me of um, home. You know, when you got stomachache, every Michigan mom, hey, have a Verners. Is it gonna fix if you have uh, an ulcer or perhaps, uh, you know, uh, need an appendectomy? Certainly not, but we can sure act like it will. And every Michigan mom will say that. They'll say, just take, just drink the Verners, you'll be fine. Just, you know, if you have absurd amounts of abdominal pain, then, you know, actually go, go see a physician. You, you might need to get your appendix removed. Thanks for that disclaimer. That really helped indemnify the podcast. You know, I just want to make sure people don't downplay the severity of appendicitis. It's no laughing matter.
0: We now enter round three, the lightning round, the final round for this episode of Smags. Andy, I'm going to give you a question as soon as I say Go. I then want you to name as many answers as you can, and uh, when 45 seconds has elapsed, I'll let you know how many points you've been awarded. You're going to get 10 points for every question you get correct. Let's do it. All right, round three. So, Andy, the 2004 and 2005 Pistons each made the NBA Finals, but the 2006 Pistons were denied the opportunity after losing a contentious series to the Miami Heat. Name for me as many 2006 Piston
1: players as you can. Begin. Begin. Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Chauncey Billups, uh, Rich Hamilton. <sighs> Got the starters down. We didn't have Mehmet Okur at the time. Uh, Antonio McDice, I think. Um, we didn't have Chucky Atkins. I don't think we had. No, we had traded Chucky Atkins by that time. Darko Milicic was still on the team. Man, this is tough. Who else did we even have on the team?
0: Five seconds.
1: Yeah, that's... Wow.
0: You ended up with seven players on the team, and funny enough, Darko actually was traded midway in that season. Really? Darko was not on the team? Okay. That was when we got Carlos Arroyo. If you remember, oh,
1: I do remember Carlos Arroyo. So you yeah. been
0: on the list some other names.
1: Amir Johnson was drafted. Oh yeah, we drafted him that year, didn't we? Mo Evans would not have gotten Mo Evans. That's Alex a the blacker. Remember him? Mm, vaguely, yeah. There's there's a few other guys on this list that don't really need to be discussed. But... So who were the who are the seven? I got it. Was the five starters? McDyce and who and Darko. Darko would have included. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. So seventy points. Uh, it's. It was a good team. I mean, it was a very
0: successful team, and it was followed up by more successful teams. But you know, they just didn't really get that longevity because they lost to a young Dwayne Wade and Shaq in his first season with the Heat.
1: Is that the year we had the best, our best regular season run with the Pistons? Mm, I can't. It was one of the years with Flip Saunders. It was either two thousand. It was either that year or the year after in which we got we ran through the buzzsaw that was twenty two year old LeBron James. I think that, that was the last year with LeBron. Okay. This
0: year, though, was the, the first season with Flip Saunders. So. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, he was a good guy. Good man. All right, well, that finishes your day on Smags here, Andy. To brighten things up, let's look at your final score. You come away with 1,671 Smags coins. I don't even know who to thank. There's just too many people uh steve winwood david crosby steven stills graham nash neil young peter frampton burger king for their yumbo mr pringle
1: dr pepper michigan state and the Branch davidians would be an appropriate list i thank you for ending it with the branch davidians that that we got to make sure they go out on a high note
0: and on that note andy thank you so much for joining on smags now let's kick it off to the leaderboard and see where andy's score falls in first place is Andy with 1671. Second place, Jimmy, 1050. S M
1: A G S. My name is Andy, and I just got smagged.